Well, good morning. Praise band did a great job today. Thank you so much for leading us in worship and uh, pray for our children as they go. I don't know where they're going, but I'm sure it's a good place. So uh, really thank you for letting me be here this morning. Ed, uh, just a dear, dear, dear friend of mine uh, for a long, long time. Uh, really been uh, close uh, to me and my family. And I just uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be here today and, and be a part of your church. And uh, as we begin this morning, I also have some guests. My, my aunt and uncle are here, Claudia and Harold Denny. They're here, and uh, they live in Carrollton. I said, hey, I'm preaching. And they came on over and wanted to be a part today. Uh, so thank you so much for, for being here. Well, a little bit about myself. Uh, again, my name is Andy Brown, and I have to give some explanation because uh, Ed kind of opened it up. Uh, I do have large children. Uh, I really do. Um, my oldest, I have five children. They all start with a B. Brady, Balin, Brandon, Briley, and Bethany. Uh, and before Bethany came along, uh, they got the reputation of the killer bees. And there was more to that than you could even imagine. Uh, but they were big. My oldest son is uh, married. We are expecting our first grandchild any day. And I can't wait. They, uh, he is a high school football coach up in Wiley, up, up north of Dallas. And uh, they are just waiting for that. And we can't wait. And so we got our bags packed. We're ready to go. And so I was kind of praying uh, that it would take place while I was here in town today and then make my wife come up after us and everything else. But uh, it may still work out. I don't know. Uh, but uh, we're looking forward to being grandparents for the first time. My second son is uh, Balin, and uh, he uh, played football at Texas Tech, played with Pat Mahomes. And uh, yes, right. I had to say that just for you, Ed. And uh, he, he uh, now married and lives in Lubbock still. Uh, and then my third son is only a few minutes away. He is now a freshman playing football at TCU. Uh, he's number 75, and so if you're a TCU fan, look out for him. He's, the, he's, the, he's only 6'6", 320 pounds. He's just a large child. Uh, yeah, you can, you can imagine, when they were all in the house together, it was like 9, 10 gallons of milk a week. Uh, it was crazy. And then my, third son, my fourth son, uh, he's, he's going to be an eighth grader. Uh, he might be my biggest one of them all. Um, but uh, he is playing football as well. And then my little girl, and uh, she's the apple of my eye. I love her. Uh, we got her when she was six months old, and we adopted her when she was two. And uh, she is 10 now. And so, uh, as you can imagine, she, she runs the place. She's got everything in control. She makes sure that everything is ready. She's a dancer. She's not a football player, thank goodness. Um, but she's that. And so all that football prowess comes from uh, my wife, definitely not me. Uh, her dad played in the NFL for 14 years. Um, and so it, that's where all it came from. I just tag along for the ride. Um, so uh, be looking out for him. 75 at TCU. I'm going to be there every weekend. If you want to come wave at us, that'd be great. And I'm looking forward to a, an exciting year. I have been a youth pastor for 34 years and uh, love youth ministry. It's just what I've got created me to do. Uh, just recently, I am um, no longer a youth pastor, just kind of venturing out on some new things and, and what God has in store for us. Uh, I'm doing ministry as well, as well as working for a company called College Promoters USA, and that is a company of where we take high school athletes and we, we uh, represent them and get them into their scholars, college scholarships. And so it's kind of my second passion, but I didn't realize how much of a ministry it was going to be when, when, until I got into it. And so I've been blessed in a lot of ways, and we and my wife are just searching for what God has for us next. Uh, in the middle of that, just having the opportunity to preach quite a few places, and, and so blessed to be here as a part of your fellowship today. Uh, here at Retta. So thank you for letting me be here. Uh, what I'm going to preach on this morning, I'm going to speak on this morning, maybe it's from a scripture that you have never 
heard a sermon from before, uh, but we're going to kind of venture out there just a little bit. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, uh, we will be in Numbers chapter 9. Numbers chapter 9, starting with verse 15. And while you're going there, let me set it up a little bit for you. Uh, we are talking about the Israelites who um, are set out with Moses and are on their journey. They've uh, uh, been taken from bondage and they've already come to the edge of the sea and God delivered them and he took them across. And now they're out in this place uh, where they're just wandering in the wilderness, wondering what's going on. At this moment in time, uh, frustration has really set in because things aren't exactly happening how they expected it to be. Even though they were thankful for being delivered from this bondage, now they are out wandering in the wilderness being led by Moses. I can only imagine that there was some questioning going on here. But I want to take a part of Scripture, and I want to read it to you first. We can read it together uh, because it really sets up a pretty incredible story for us as we venture out into direction and, and where we go and how we go places in our lives and we wonder how we got there. And, and we're going to kind of uh, evaluate all that together here this morning. We're in Numbers chapter 9, starting in verse 15. It says, On the day the tabernacle, the tent of the covenant law, was set up, the cloud covered it. And from evening till morning, the cloud above the tabernacle looked like fire. And that is how it continued to be. And the cloud covered it, and at night it looked like fire. But whenever the cloud lifted from above the tent, the Israelites set out. And whenever the cloud settled, the Israelites encamped. And so then it says that the Lord's command, the Israelites set out, and at the command, they encamped. And as long as the cloud stayed over the tabernacle, they remained in camp. But when the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. But sometimes the cloud was over the tabernacle only a few days, and at the Lord's command they would encamp, and then at his command they would set out. Sometimes the cloud stayed only from evening till morning, and when it lifted in the morning they set out, whether by day or by night, whenever the cloud lifted, they set out. And whether the cloud stayed over the tabernacle for only two days or a month or a year, the Israelites would remain in camp and not set out, but when it lifted, they would set out. And at the Lord's command, they encamped. And at the Lord's command, they set out. And they obeyed the Lord's order in accordance with his command through Moses. The story that we're getting here is that it's obvious that God had given them something to lead and guide them as they were making this wilderness journey, possibly even going in circles. Um, but here we are in, in kind of trying, trying to evaluate what's going on here. We know that when the clouds set over the tabernacle and did not move, that they would encamp themselves and they would not move until what? Until that cloud would move, either by cloud by day or fire by night. If that cloud moved, that is where they would be obedient, immediately get up, and they would take out on this journey to wherever the cloud took them to their next stop. Well, for me in my life, let me be honest with you, there's, a couple, there's three things in my life that I thank God for every single day. First of all, my wife, I love her with all my heart. Second of all, my kids. And the third thing is, it's probably something that you would not expect for me to have as a very priority of my life, but one of the things that literally has saved my marriage on many occasions is the creation of the GPS system. 
Now, I know, you're, I know what you're saying. Man in the room, you can identify with me because within our, our, our wives' minds, there's this built-in GPS system. I don't get it. I have zero sense of direction. I can pull out of a place that I've been to 20 times and I get lost. I have zero sense of direction, but I'm a man, and I feel like I know where I'm going all the time. And even before the GPS system was created, my wife would get in the car, and it would be actually World War III in our car because I, I decided I knew where I was going. She knew I did not know where I was going, but she was going to tell me where to go. You can imagine the chaos that took place in our car. We thought that our car was possessed. We did because it was automatic. Even when we got in the car, our children would say, oh, do we know where we're going? And we remember, okay, I'll, be, I'll, I'll date myself a little bit. How many can remember printing off your directions on MapQuest? Praise God. Our, our kids have no idea what that is. But this GPS system, you can get in the car and you can type in the address and it'll take you to the front door. Now, my dad, who is 75 years old, he refuses to trust GPS. Refuses. I got in the car with him and I say, Dad, put it in the phone. No, it won't work. It will. And then the one time I talked him into it, it messed up. And I said, great. And so here we are. That has literally saved my marriage on many occasions because I've learned, I've learned, I've learned, I've learned to just get the address and we can find where we are going. It makes for such a pleasant ride. It really does. And I know if I'm trying to go somewhere or my wife is sending me on an errand that I've never been before, I don't have to ask her for directions because if I asked her, I'm going to get the detailed directions to where we go. You put, take the left of this one street by that one place, and we have a little, this little thing hanging in the window there, and then you'll take a left there, and then you'll go down that street, go across the canal, okay, and then once you get across the canal, take a left, and there's this little bush on the corner there. Now, I don't want all those directions because I will just be lost. I say, just give me the address. Amen? And so I find my address, it gives me direction to where I am going, and I can be there every single time. This is kind of what's happened in this Numbers 9 passage. God has given them a GPS system. He's given them a God's positioning system in the form of a cloud. You see, God was into the cloud long before Google was. And so he knew exactly what was going on here. And we, we see it, and we knew, because of that, I knew for myself, when I began to think of the GPS system in, in our family, I began to realize and to analyze my own personal walk with Jesus. And I realized that there are so many times, maybe you can identify with me this morning, is that I tend to go off on my own. I tend to think I can find my own way, and I'll find my way down a path, and I've gone the wrong direction. I finally got old enough, and I said, okay, God, I get it. I need a guide. I need somebody that's going to help me. I need somebody that's going to show me. I need somebody that's going to teach me how to, how to learn from my mistakes and how to, how to grow from that and how to find direction, how to make decisions in our family, how to grow together. I realized all this that I needed a guide. And he showed us in Scripture how he backs that up 100%. We go over to Psalms because we need us. He is our shepherd. And thank goodness he is our shepherd. And we are his sheep because sometimes I'm real bad. I'm waiting for you to get that. All right, good, here we go. But it says this. It says, is that the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And he makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside quiet waters. And he refreshes my soul. 
He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest night. Time out. Okay, I'm, I'm struggling here when I read this because just a, a second ago, I was being refreshed by still waters. Things were great. Life was, was just wonderful. And I went to sleep that night and I woke up the next morning and now I'm in this darkest valley. Have you ever been there before? That overnight it seems that, that life circumstance happens and things come our way and we're combated where one day we were sitting beside still waters, the very next day we're going through a circumstance or a challenge that is right up in our face. Do you realize this? And the way God has it perfectly timed, he says you need to be able and you will be able to experience the joy of sitting beside still waters only when you've walked through the darkest valley. Scripture teaches us that. It teaches us every day about the challenges that come into our lives. Just like they were wandering in the wilderness, maybe because of disobedience that God was teaching them as they were on their journey. The scripture said sometimes they were there for a day. Sometimes they were there for two days. Sometimes a month. Sometimes a year. But the tabernacle was in the very center and it, the cloud was over, and when it would move, they would move. Can you only imagine the discussions that were taking place in families when the cloud moved? And the cloud moved, and everybody had to go. Dad wakes up, oh my goodness, the cloud's moved. And they had to pack up, get everything together. Hey, everybody get in the car. It's time to go. It's kind of like when you get into a car to come to church, absolute chaos until you open the door at, car, at church, right? Good morning, everything's great. But it's been World War III on the way to church. And so they're getting everybody together. They're, they're packing, they're, they're, they're running together. They've got it all organized because when the cloud moves, they've got to be organized enough to be able to get things together so they can go to their next place. It was the journey that God was using to teach them character. It was the journey that God was teaching them how to lead. It was the journey of God teaching them how to be obedient. Even when they were in their most difficult places, we knew that every place that they arrived, manna was, was plentiful and everything was okay. But it was just out of mere inconvenience at times, I'm sure, that they were commanded to get up and to move and to follow. God's positioning system was working. Let's go all the way back to Exodus and look at the scripture that is there. All the way back to Exodus. It says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of what? Cloud. And to guide them on their way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them the light, so that they could travel by day or by night. You see, God already knew they were going to need a guide. And before they got to the edge of the sea, they did not know where to go. They knew that the he, the, on the heels behind them, they were after them. Wasn't that God's perfect arrangement? He knew they needed to be pushed he knew they needed to be pushed forward and trust God because they were at the edge of the sea, did not know what was going. A pillar of fire appears and the, the, the sea opens and they go across. He was their guide. So as a part of the God's positioning system, we take that G and he was their guide. I love that. I love how he knew they needed direction and he knew that they needed something to teach them going through the everyday challenge. But it goes even beyond that. It gets even more complex than what we're, what we're seeing this morning. And I want to show you this because this is where I get excited. Okay, so everybody, everybody wave your hand at me. Wave your hand. We're, gonna, we're fixing to get excited, okay? So here we go. Numbers 2.17. 
It talks about this. It says, Then the tent of meeting and the camp of the Levites will set out into the middle of the camps, and they will set out in the same order as they encamp, each in their own place under their standard. So here, let's picture it. God told them to put the tabernacle smack dab in the middle of the camp. And they were all surrounded by the many tribes who were all set up. And because God instructed them to be in the very center of the camp with the tabernacle, um, why was that? Because he knew that everybody would be surrounding the tabernacle and everybody would be looking at the center because that teaches us that in every situation that we go through, every moment in life, that God is the very center of who we are and he is our guide. And so what happens here is, because Jesus said, build the temple, I mean, God said, build the temple this way, right in the center of the camp, so the cloud is placed over the tabernacle, and everybody is watching, everybody is looking, and when it moves, everybody sees it in their own individual way, and they react in obedience, and they begin to move. What he's done here is he allows the people to understand what it means to have priorities in life. Because in order to move quickly when the cloud moves, we got to have our house in order. We got to make sure that everything is lined up perfectly and compartmentalized and everything's in a certain place so that when everybody has a job and everybody knows what they need to do when the cloud moves. So what he's teaching them, not only to be their guide, but he's teaching them how to have your priorities straight. What does it tell us? It tells us if we don't have our priorities straight in life, that when God moves, we may miss it. Because maybe we've gotten distracted. Maybe we've gone another way. Maybe we are distracted because of the things that are taking place in our lives. Maybe other things that have taken place in the place of where God needed to be. That's why he was so specific, even the building and the dimensions of the tabernacle, to be at the very center of the camp so that when the cloud moved, all would react. Can I be honest with you this morning? That would be the perfect scenario, wouldn't it? Can you imagine that there might have been a little chaos in some places because there were those in the camp who were frustrated. There were those in the camp who may have taken their eyes off of the guide. And maybe their priorities got out of whack and they missed something. But it was the community that was around them that I imagine rallied around them and say, we know you're going through a tough time. We know you're going through a very difficult time. Is there anything that we can do to help? God was teaching. I want to be your guide. But I want you to know that it's good to have your priorities straight. Priorities, those priorities, many that we have, to make sure that those priorities are centered on God. And then he's teaching you what you need to know, that you're listening to what you need to hear, that you're being reactive, that you're being obedient to God's movement and God's command in our lives. Because he has to be that guy. He has to help us to get our priorities straight. And we do that together. It's just like Red Baptist Church that comes together. And when those who are in need in our fellowship, that the church surrounds them because that is one of the purposes of who we are to help them, to guide them, to walk them. And maybe you've been there too, and they stepped into the gap for you. And we, as a church, having our priorities straight, knowing that everything that we do as Red Baptist Church needs to be completely and totally centered upon God as the very center of everything that we do. Because when we do that, then when God does move and God places 
opportunity, places things within your church body. He says, you're obedient because your priorities are straight. God, be our God. And together we move in harmony as one mighty army for the Lord. That's the power of the story. That's the power of the story. So you're asking this question. Where's our cloud? There's no cloud over Red Baptist Church. So what's our guide? We understand, Andy, what you're saying and the, and, the, and, the, and the parameters of that day and time. But look at this next verse of Scripture. It's in Acts 1, 7 through 9. We go all the way over to the New Testament. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive what? Power. Everybody say it. Power. We will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a what? Cloud hid him from their sight. Can you imagine being in the, in the, in the, in the, inside the body of one of his disciples going, oh my goodness, he's gone. He's been, our, he's been our leader. He's been, our, he's been everything for us. He's taught us. He's given us things. But I don't think that they had that feeling. I really don't. Because God had so equipped them with being their guide, he had allowed them to get their priorities straight, that when he did and he ascended into the cloud, they could no longer see them. But what did he say he gave them? The power of the Holy Spirit. God's positioning system. It's God's positioning system. We no longer live by the law. We are now living in grace. And he accepted him into our hearts. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is our guide. It is that guide that allows us to set our priorities straight. And the last part of that, GPS, that S, he allows us to day by day by day by day sustain. He gives us the ability and the power to sustain it every single day. We wake up in the morning, we put our feet on the ground, we say, God, let this be a good day. Let me be obedient. Let you be my God. Let my priorities line up with you and God sustain me because in this day I want to glorify you in everything that I do. Can I just be honest with you? It doesn't always go like that. Amen? We get distracted. We get overcome. We get challenges from our grandkids, from our children. We get challenges from everywhere at the workplace. Wherever we may be, there are those challenges that come, but they are no different than the challenges that came to the Israelites as they wandered in the wilderness. They may have looked different, but oh my goodness, how similar they were. You ever had those days where you just don't want to get up? You ever had those days where you just don't want to get out of bed because the day before just wasn't good? Can I tell you this morning? God is good. And we totally trust him. And we allow him to be our guide. He is the shepherd. We are his sheep. And he's there. Even when we go astray, he left the 99 behind to go after the one. Even in the middle of that, he never, never, never gives up. No matter how old we are, whether we're here in 20 years old or we're 80, 
He will never leave you, nor he will forsake you. And he has this pull. He has this in knowing that he lives and he, he breathes, and he lives in the Holy Spirit through us. And we recognize that power on a daily basis that God is in control. Be my God. Allow my priorities to be straight. And God, you will sustain. You will sustain. He is the great sustainer. Amen? For he is good. I know my own personal walk with the Lord, I've had those moments of where I didn't want to wake up the next day. It's because I was struggling. When you're a youth pastor for 34 years, there are many of those days. There are many of those days where you go to youth camp and you wonder, why in the world do I do this? And then that night you see a, a kid who you've been praying for for months have a breakthrough and accept Christ into their life and they radically change. This is one of those places at Retta. I've seen a lot of these kids and kids that are older now in Super Summer. Me and Ed have done Super Summer together forever. And I walk in today and that's a super summer kid, that's a super summer kid, that's a super summer kid. And she's going to Honduras. And you're going to try to tell me that I don't need to get up every day. Even though I may get selfish in my ways. Even though I may get selfish in what I feel some days. Thank goodness I have the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in me and constantly reminds me, I called you. I called you. I got a plan. Stay obedient. I got a plan. Don't get frustrated. And Hannah, you know exactly what that means. I'm sure there are days of where, as you're in Honduras, you wonder, there are those days, like, why am I here? But God reminds you. When that little boy, little girl comes up and gives you a hug and says, oh, you're the greatest. You know that they're seeing Jesus in you. So as we look at this this morning, yes, he is our guide. He is our, the one who allows us to make sure that our priorities are right. How do we know that? If our priorities do not line up with Scripture, then they're not the right priorities. And we have to make sure. I get asked that question all the time by teenagers. How do I know if this is right or wrong? Hello? And we go to Scripture. Does it line up? It's for us all. That once our priorities are lined up with who he is, the power that lives within us, all things are possible. He is my guide. He is my priority. And he is my sustainer. And finally, there at the end, he's the GPS. God's given us a God's positioning system. And guess what? It's not on your phone. I never thought of this. I wonder if I typed in heaven. <laughs> I wonder where I'd end up. But listen to me tonight, this morning. When we allow God to be God and to do what he does so perfectly, it's kind of like John the Baptist. It's kind of like him from the womb. He knew what his purpose in life was, and that was to proclaim and prepare the way for Jesus. And he does that perfectly. He baptizes Jesus and he raises him up out of the water, identifies the Messiah. Okay, it doesn't stop there for, for John. Where does it go? He ends up in prison. And he even at a point being in prison, he doubts his calling. 
even though it had already been fulfilled. And he says, God, look what he says. Jesus, look what you're doing. This isn't what I had in mind. I had in mind that you were going to come separate the wheat from, the, from this, and you are going to make everything, separate the good from the bad, and you are going to be this fire and brimstone, and you were going to just knock everything out. And you didn't do exactly what I thought you should be doing. So he sends messengers to Jesus, and Jesus looks at them and says, you go tell John. You go tell him that I've been healing the sick, I've been raising the dead to life, that I've been performing miracles and feeding thousands and all of these things. So you go tell him, I am fulfilling my calling of what my father has called me to do. Not yours, but mine. He can imagine how those people felt. Okay, we'll go tell John. And they show up at John. Well, Jesus, this is what Jesus said. And it humbled him. Oh, my. And he realized it was not about what he thought it should be. But when we trust God, that he has our best interest in mind, and he will guide us, allow us to prioritize, and able to sustain our walk every day with him. I wish I could be here and say that the end of John's life was good. We know what happened. But he did that knowing that he had fulfilled his purpose and that Jesus was doing what he needed to be doing. Thank you, God, for using me. For all the glory goes to you. I'm like John a lot. Sometimes I get mad because it's just not going my way. But thank you for a message like this that reminds us. Out of Numbers 9, oh my gosh, how many of you heard a sermon out of Numbers 9? They would teach us that God had it in mind for them to need a guide. And they needed somebody to help them set their priorities. They needed somebody to sustain that day by day by day by day by day. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us the power of the Holy Spirit to be that for us. Amen. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence and for your glory and how you show us in these moments of time how it, what it means to listen. That sometimes, God, maybe we need to stop talking. And just listen. Be awake. Not stuck in our, our ruts. Not stuck in our own priorities, our own circumstances. And realizing that those circumstances are there to teach us and to grow us. So that we can be a better dad. So that we can be a better mom. So that we can be a better grandparent. So we can be a better teenager. But God, in our everyday lives, God, would you give us that strength and that power through the power of your Holy Spirit to teach us all these things. And so at the end of the day, we lay our head on our pillow and we say, thank you, God, for allowing today to be an awesome day. Thank you for my challenges. Thank you for teaching me, even when I didn't want to hear it and it was hard. Even there's days where I'm just angry at you, God, I'm being honest. But God, thank you for teaching me and be obedient and faithful to me. And that all things are powerful. And all things are possible through you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Teach us today, Lord, as we walk away changed. Not the same as when we came in, but change as we go out. We give you all the praise and all the glory for all things. In Jesus' name, amen.